Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. At 5 o'clock, Amazon has officially signed the deal to buy movie and TV studio MGM. The price, $8.45 billion. MGM Library concludes the James Bond movie franchise, Rocky, and the TV studio that developed the Shark Tank reality series. All those properties could become exclusively available on Amazon Prime Video. This stands to be Amazon's biggest acquisition since it purchased Whole Foods Market four years ago. Hello and welcome to another episode of Really 007 in this new series of James Bond Will Return. This is the second episode, uh, so it's a very young series, and its intention is to follow the progress and development of Bond 26. It will develop. There will be things that evolve and there'll be news that affects the way we think about this film and how we look forward to it. But right now we are really in the early stages, so as you're listening, you are tracking it and as we are fans, we are kind of tracking it from the birth, from its very start uh, and, and inception of the film. And we know very little at the moment, so it means it's wide open for discussion. Even though it's Harry hosting, it is still a regular Really 007 episode. And as you know, and as Tom would say, Really 007 is a proud part of the Pod Dojo Network. And you can find all of our content on a variety of platforms and follow us on social media. So look us up at Really007Pod if you haven't already. That would be greatly appreciated. This is the um, second episode, as I've mentioned. But before I do, I just, I just before when I was uh, building up to this, I did have a realisation that, you know, a real uh, attitude of gratitude that James Bond will return, guys. James Bond will return. I was thinking, you know, the, the way things have gone and how much of, how difficult it's been and the ending of the last one and sort of how things have been a little bit divisive amongst fans and and critics and things like that. You know, you could have, it wouldn't maybe have been that surprising if they'd said we're taking a break. You know, we are going to stop it there. We're going to leave it there and let other people take over in the future. So, yeah, James Bond will return, guys, and that is something 
that is fabulous. That is absolutely brilliant news. It gives us the chance to get excited about what's next. Um, so I thought I'd just share that before we begin. Episode one was privileged position, as as you may remember. This second episode is going to focus on Eon and Amazon and that relationship between the two who are working together to bring us Bond 26. Tonight we have with us Tom, but as a guest, <laughs> and my other brother Matthew. Good evening to you two brothers. Good evening. Good evening. And also Chris from the Really 007 team is joining us to discuss uh, this. Good evening, Chris. Good evening. Perhaps even more exciting. No offense to the rest of you. But, um, <laughs> we have a we do have our first guest of the James Bond will return series, um, and it is George from Cinema Savvy. And obviously, George has been a guest on our show for quite a few episodes, but it is his first appearance in this series and the first one where we're not going to be talking so much about Bond or a, a Bond music or anything like that, but Bond that is to come. With the content of the conversation being about Eon and Amazon, it seemed like a, a good idea to bring George on board. Um, George has got a good, under, you know, a, a good understanding of what that might mean, a, a kind of a vision of how it might look for Bond, as you know, many of us have got theories. So it's good to share and juggle them around tonight. I'll put my hands up as well and say it's quite a complicated thing. It's not something I fully understand in terms of how it's going to work and what 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 it will look like. So hopefully by discussing it and kind of sharing our own understanding and theories, we might get a little bit closer to understanding what Bond 26 might look like when it does eventually come out. An 8.45 billion deal was struck where Amazon went into business with MGM. The two main ways of looking at this are what's in it for MGM and what's in it for Amazon and then how that will affect how we get a Bond film. I think to begin with, putting it in fairly short terms, I think it is a finally a safe pair of hands for MGM to be in after they have had recent struggles over the years uh, financially and things that they've tried have not quite gone according to plan. And Amazon, of course, is an absolute behemoth of a, uh, a business um, with loads of money going in and a regular uh, and uh, definitely it's going to be something that's not going to go away or become unreliable at all. So in Amazon, Neon have a very reliable partner and financial backing and support. And in terms of what's in it for Amazon, well, they've obviously got the Bond series that we're talking about, but MGM itself obviously holds a lot of amazing titles, series, and the IP of it, as well as the IP of the uh, intellectual property of James Bond, is a massive deal which will surely only bring in profit. Um, and I think part of their incentive will be to compete and compete better with the likes of Netflix, Apple TV, and all those various streaming options that are out there at the moment. And by now having James Bond in their arsenal, they probably are excited about really quite a, a positive, exciting future. So that's what I would say in brief is in it for both of them. I am going to first come to you, George. When this deal was struck with your kind of understanding of James Bond, was your initial reaction, yes, that's positive, that's good, that's healthy? What? what how do you see it, George? Well, firstly, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure to be back on with everybody. Secondly, with that, it's a really good question because I'm trying to cast my mind back to when there were murmurs for a while, wasn't it, that MGM could be acquired. And I, I remember it was suddenly done and dusted. 
And I think at the time we did a video, I don't actually remember my thoughts on it. I think I was okay with it. I think, I mean, the, the biggest purchase of my lifetime and maybe many others is going to be Disney buying Star Wars in 2012. Well, Lucasfilm, I guess. I don't think anyone ever saw that coming in that day and age. I don't think you had social media like you do today, but certainly with James Bond and the more I've got to learn about the series over the years, it's never had the, the I guess, the 50% stability from the non-Eon side of things. And I think for the for the first time, even going back to Harry Saltzman, you know, we know how he had to sell, you know, his his half in the first place, you know, through gambling, through debts. You're probably looking in, in a scary way for the first time in 60 years that they've got stability on 50% of the the thing. Now, whether that 50% comes good, we're going to obviously find out in the next couple of years. But I think as time has gone on, I'm a lot more excited. Obviously, there's not that much information at the moment in respect to James Bond, directors, casting, any of that stuff. We know they will be working on it behind the scenes. One thing I'll always give you on credit for is they're very good at, at keeping stuff quiet that needs to be kept quiet. Obviously, you get the normal rumour mills and all the, the, the British tabloids and British papers, which can take off. I know sometimes there's a bit of legitimacy to it, but I do think this is an exciting time. And, and I think it's James Bond as an entity that this is exciting for. Like For me, you know, when you look at, again, it's an easy comparison to Disney and Star Wars, but by acquiring Lucasfilm, they didn't just acquire the rights to make films. It was the merchandising. It was everything. And I know that obviously MGM don't have that with Dan Jack, but I would imagine at some point Amazon is going to tap into these other markets that certainly I feel Bond is lacking in the modern day and age. I know a lot of people might just say the same thing. You know, we grew up with the games. There were so many games in development in those early PS2 days. I know it's not as easy to make games like that anymore, but there's been nothing aside from the films. I'm not talking about the books, obviously, with the anniversary re-releases recently as well. I'm excited. And behind the scenes, there's been a lot of goings-on at MGM. There's been, you know, like any acquisition, people have come and gone. Promotions have been, been there. So I think, I've forgotten her name, but there's a new head of MGM. That was one of the first things they did, they did in the last year. So I certainly feel behind the scenes, they're gearing it up. And I think in the next year, it's going to slowly... I hope I hope slowly start to come to fruition about the, the, the plan. I am excited and I do think the potential is there. And I'll make another reference to Luke's from Disney that I think is very important that you have the broccolis, the, you know, the, the Eon side of it there because you don't want to 100% give it to another company and then not transition yeah. other people on board. And that's something that I think a lot of people have spoke about the last couple of years with, with Lucasfilm. George, can I ask you a question? Firstly, great to have you on again. Uh, mate, uh, great to have you on. Do you think if it if it weren't for this Amazon deal and it was just still Eon, would you be a bit more fearful of Bond's ability to compete with other franchises and you know big movie worlds and you, you know what I mean? What what yeah. what what do you think? I think James Bond as a name would always sell. It's cracked the American market for the for the first time in a few decades properly with Craig. I, I think why they're in now is not just a transitionary stage in like a polite way, but and, and this isn't like fact, this is just my opinion on the matter. I look at, you know, Daniel Craig is very much Barbara Broccoli's era. That's her bond who she brought in. Brosnan, of of course, you know, we still had the the old guard combined with the new guard, before of course and Michael G. Wilson for decades. When No Time Style was coming out, it felt like a a polite, not just farewell tour to Daniel Craig, but to also Michael G. Wilson. I remember at the, I was lucky to be at the premiere at the Albert Hall and sort of off the cuff didn't sound like it was meant to be said, but there was a big moment for Michael G. Wilson. 
And I thought in a very nice way, oh, is this the sort of polite retirement? The bond's going to go. We'll get a shake up with the producers, maybe. Did Eon know that there's, you know, something lurking in the background about a potential Amazon buying MGM? Because that sort of thing could go on for years. I remember when Disney bought Fox, that had gone on for a couple of years before that had even even got official. And, And it's exciting. I think Bond will always have its place. I think what Amazon have to do, which I think was one of the first things they said, is it's got to have a cinema release. I, I think the moment they would mm. attempt to make Bond a streaming thing would be the death of, of James Bond, if I'm being completely honest. It is a cinematic franchise experience. It always has been. It should be, and they have said will continue to be. And I think that's the first reassurance that I have that Bond will be fine in the market. And without segueing into Marvel and stuff like that, one thing I found fascinating, you know what the internet's like. Twitter's a normal place. There's not, you know, people don't argue on there, do they? There was always the you guys would have seen it from other people, and it was it popped up every couple of months. Oh, Bond should be more Marvel. There should be more. And I understand the quantity of wanting more, but sometimes less is more. And now Marvel is starting to struggle with its numbers. Yeah, you know, the last few films haven't hit the heights they have in the past. The saturation of other medias is kicking in. Mm. Cinematic franchises are really starting. I mean, look at Avatar. I know it's a, I know it's only the second one, but it's still hit over two billion. Audiences are turning up to the big screen. And I think with Bond, audiences will always turn to the big screen. The key is the gap between films that, and this is kind of my mindset with it. I'm, I'd much rather have a, a longer gap between No Time to Die and whatever's next than a gap between a film where there's going to be an actor who's been cast. If they're going to take their time now, not necessarily to plan things because it doesn't need to be, you know, like a Star Wars, like a Marvel. You don't need to map out everything, which is well, I know Star Wars is trying now. They did it in the past, but with Bond, certainly have a 10-year plan. We want X amount of films. We want to do this sort of stuff in between. But if they've had this acquisition now, I don't mind this gap. And I do think it will reinforce it that when that first one does come out, it's a big triumphant return. And it is very much, you know, Bond is safe. Like, it is financially safe. It's going to be at the cinemas. It will continue to be at the cinemas. And I don't think you can touch it. Certainly British cinema, right? You know, as long as they release it next to a Star Wars film or a Marvel film or something silly like that. But certainly here everyone's going to turn up and for a whole generation newborns surprisingly enough as well you know it'll be the first new bond they ever see at the cinema Mm. which is a draw within itself and you know i'm excited for when the time comes and i think if they if they get this right which i hope they do then uh, it will be i i I just don't think you can stop it as a series something's got to go real wrong for for bond Mm. to 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 drop off i think i think that's right and you you, you're right to mention that that was one of the early things that they said at Amazon in terms of they still put all the emphasis on the cinema, uh, big screen release. You know, that is something to be celebrated with James Bond. And, you know, at the moment, we, we haven't got much. We've had the sound of uh, 007 and we've had the announcement of that show following, like, Castle Journeys of the Bond world, which the name has escaped me, is that... Can anyone remember the, the name of that? The, it's the adventure show. Yeah. The, was it 007's Road to a Million? Road to a that's Million, it, that's yeah. it, yeah. And when that was announced, it was a little <laughs> bit like... It's catchy. It, it felt a bit, a little bit misjudged in terms of that's not really what fans were hoping for or wanted. And it perhaps made a few people worry, you know, what kind of have Amazon got planned? But the truth is, you know, they've spent nearly $9 billion on this. This is going to be a crown jewel for them. This is something they will do a lot with. This is something that will, you know, project them even further ahead and further forward, if possible, to surpass the, the likes of Disney. That's what the, they'll be aiming to do. 
they're not going to treat it lightly. They're not going to, you know, just give it a light touch at all. And it times perfectly with what you said, George. Obviously, people will get a real kick knowing that Bond is safe, like you say, and making that triumphant return that you've described. Like I say, there's, there's not an awful lot to, to know at the moment. The sort of quotes we've had, you know, there aren't even many of those. Mike Hopkins, who's the senior vice president of Prime Video and Amazon Studios, and we'll talk about that in a moment, actually. He, one of the things he was saying was uh, the real financial value behind this deal is the treasure trove of IP and the deep catalogue that we plan to reimagine and develop together with MGM's talented team. It's very exciting and provides so many opportunities for high quality storytelling. Like he mentions, it's, and you've mentioned this percentage thing, it's not 100% Amazon, obviously it's it's 50-50. And that means that Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson, you know, and until we're told otherwise, is, is a, a part of that. And they themselves have, have given quotes such as in the past in 2015 when things were a bit uncertain with the financial uh, future for MGM and sort of trying to work with Sony. It was Wilson, oh, Broccoli said, sorry, that the future is a little uncertain, but whether we stay at Sony or go somewhere else, we'll make it work. We are very, very protective of Bond. Bond is our baby. And, you know, it's it's been said that in this deal where it's 50-50, still Broccoli and Wilson will have the final say over every decision, pretty much, you know, from the dialogue to the the casting, to the stunts, to the marketing, poster campaign, all that they will be involved in, as as far as we know. Another thing that Wilson said in 2015 was that if we get the wrong partners, they're liable to be conflicts, and that's true. So they've, they've spent a little time coming to this deal, and I know that these deals take a long time, but it's... It's probably quite well considered, even though there was a financial insecurity, Wilson and Broccoli must feel happy with the deal that they've got and must feel that they still have some kind of influence. If I come to you, Chris, we talked in episode one about Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson. How do you see their relationship with Amazon? Do you can you is that kind of a relationship that you would you would think suits them or is it is it kind of them trying to evolve themselves a little bit and protect the franchise most of all it, well it's difficult to say i think um obviously one of the benefits of getting into bed with with amazon is that they have very deep pockets and like i said there is that you know the financial security just that that you know if the obviously they're going to be doing cinema releases there's no worry about you know, not having enough screenings. You know, they can they can put as much money behind it in terms of marketing. You know, they can re- re- they can do an awful lot. It will. I think that I think when it comes to, I think MGM were uh, very supportive. It's quite clear of of the the relate. You know, in terms of that relationship, um, I don't know how supportive Amazon are as a uh, when it comes to the filmmakers. Um, mm. You know, what wh- whether they are expect some sort of creative you know choices to be made or to be at least listened to by by the studio whether they'll have uh, you know some input i know mgm had said that they had you know had you know were able to sort of like push back on a few things here and there but they knew it was eons kind of you know it was all done by eon i think it's um 
I think it will be really interesting to to, to see when it comes to, round to the first few announcements. You know, obviously casting is the first one, really, isn't it? That that everyone's going to get excited about, and it'll just be really interesting how they kind of pitch that. You know, obviously they are after a younger, uh, you know, a younger actor. It will make. I do. Th- I, I do think it. It's, it won't make or break it, but I think casting is so important, and obviously Barbara Broccoli knows this. That if you mm. get it wrong, it's going to. It might damage the brand just in terms of you know there can be a bit of a a, a, a pushback as she as she knows rightly when she did cast Daniel Craig at, uh, as uh, James Blond. I think that that mm-hmm. um, that will be really telling. I think it, I, I I I'm excited for it because I think that. As long as you get the balance, as long as Amazon know that, you know, it should be that Eon are running this, they have been protective of this brand for a very long time and have had real success. This isn't them buying into something that's on, you know, on its knees. It is going from, has been going from strength to strength over the past, you know, 20 odd years. So I think that, yeah, I'm excited. I think they've got the backing of, you know, someone who can really do something. And I'm excited to see what, what uh, you know, Amazon do with the MGM brand, which is much more recognizable than Amazon Studios. You know, I yeah. think it would be, yeah, I I, I, I am really excited. Um, I don't know what the future looks like in terms of that, that relationship. But I think it's, the the you know, like you say, they, they, they keep their cards very close to the chest and they've not given anything away. Uh, which at times can be very worrying, but other times, I'd, sometimes I'd rather not know what if there is some sort of you know massive falling out already mm. with the studio. Uh, I'd rather not know that now. George, it's kind of been mentioned there by Chris in terms of the balance of control and creativity. The bit I'm I don't know quite as much about, and I don't know whether you're able to help me, is there is a difference, isn't there, obviously between Prime Video and Amazon Studios. Amazon Studio, those two are two different things. So it's not like this is something that's linked to Prime Video. Prime Video will be pushing just Bond material, and it's and it's you know contained within that. Amazon Studios is is bigger, am I right? How, how does it work? Yeah, so Amazon Studios is is essentially just a film studio company, and you know Prime Video is where you and it's fair to assume everyone will just think everything will go on Prime Video that's made under Amazon Studios. It's a bit like you know how there's a BBC Studios that that does the films, but obviously they can yeah. get you know they're that that's ran separately to the main BBC, and it's very similar in that respect. And what I kind of think of Amazon Studios, a really interesting thing actually, the timing of this has worked out quite well. Um, they've had two films out recently, which I think are the first MGM ones post takeover, and you've had Creed Three, which has gone to be the highest grossing of the three Creed films. I thought was pretty great, uh, and that's one of the first ones that's completely come through from you know from yes. amazon being involved um you know and you've got to think and what's important to me is as we mentioned the creatives behind the scenes amazon to my understanding obviously i don't know how it runs day to day if you look at their biggest ips since you know i guess because they're starting streaming right we've got lord of the rings which you know is, and is very divisive but that was certainly a show where they hired the showrunners i think they're inexperienced showrunners and that showed ever so slightly but it didn't feel like an Amazon demand X, Y, and Z. It was Jeff Bezos just wanted to make a Lord of the Rings show. You know, that's how it went for them. And MGM really fascinates me because with Creed 3 being a big success, there's been news in the last few weeks that all oh, they want to potentially do a fourth Creed film, all oh, they want to do not a Creed cinematic universe because there's far too many of those sorts of things these days. But there was talk of like an anime Creed thing that Michael B. Jordan wanted to do. It's like, okay, Amazon are clearly, you know, open to, to ideas. And obviously, that film went out at the cinemas. It didn't go out into streaming, made a lot of money. 
I've not seen the one that's just come out. The there's a film that's come out called Air, which is about the Jordan shoes. Mm. Um, that was meant to go straight into Prime Video, but Amazon were happy to put it in the cinemas, uh, and it's grossed I think fifty million dollars. Probably not bad for a drama. And the way my thoughts are on streaming services, not to be snobby against them, you know, it's a great platform for a lot mm. of filmmakers, for people that have projects approved elsewhere, but. That's fifty million dollars that they wouldn't have got if they just put that on Prime Video. You know, it, it showed that you can't. What I mean, Amazon are fine because it's Amazon. But what Netflix is showing with their losses every year, constant debt issues, is that you can't profit from a streaming service. You've got to have theatrical going in and sort of heading back into that with Amazon Studios. I'm I'm quite curious if I'm being honest. I mean, if if you were Amazon because you've got the broccolis and you know it is a gift to a point that you know it's not like oh they've got a bit of experience with Bond like they sort of they are James Bond to a degree you know of of how the films have been it's been in their family it's in their blood and if you're putting up the numbers to give them that security I'd imagine there's a it's probably I mean my two eyes is that the broccolis are probably like thank God we've got not budget but we've probably got you know. A, a very high budget for what we might have had in the past and you've got to think if you're amazon as long as you're presented with treatments or stories because they're still doing 50 percent. i know they didn't have the final say but they're still putting in 50 percent. surely they'll be you know i can't imagine them being too many insanely what's the words like differences i can't imagine amazon being like we want this brock is saying we want this and they'd fight and scrap over it. i think amazon certainly whilst they're new to the game they're going to be saying, you know, we'll sit back, we'll put the money in. We could do with a couple of things like this. And I think in turn, mm-hmm. it's going to make it easier for Brock. There's one thing I, I always go back to with the Craig here, and it's obviously not their fault. It's how the finances of how Sony was. How nice was it watching No Time to Die without seeing Sony headphones, Sony laptop logos, Sony everything? And we know product placement is a massive part of James Bond's. But with Sony, it was so, you know, they've done it in all of their things. In Spider-Man films, it's, it's always been everywhere. One thing I love about No Time to Die was that obviously Universal did distribution, who have, have nailed the last couple of years post-COVID, during COVID, actually, for their films. They, you know, product placement was fine. It was normal. It wasn't, like, distinguished to be, oh, look, they're doing this again. It worked really well. And I do think I would need to check the first, the first, the next film, sorry, I think has to be released via Universal. I, I think they did a two-pitch deal. I could be wrong. I'm sure someone could, could sort of fact-check that, um, who's listening, but... I think Universal's a great distributor. They've just bagged Christopher Nolan. Um, I'm not going to get into that conversation, but I think everyone knows my thoughts on on, uh, on on what that potential could be down the line. I'm I'm very curious for the Amazon studio sides of things, and I think Amazon as well that if they're going to put their mind to it. They'll they'll have other divisions. You know, they want to get into bed with Eon slash Dan Jack. You know, mm. not to moan about the 007 store. When was last time someone was able to buy something for like a kid for Christmas? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and again, I go back to my generation growth right we could get bond toys trading cards games everything and you know i get you can't make games as i said earlier but it should be accessible like what's essential to to films into franchises is existing outside of releases you know star wars has been around for 45 years now without that merchandise i mean i wasn't around in the gap from the 80s to the 90s but even from the mid noughties to the to the mid 10s you know without the ip sitting there without it being used there's there's nothing and I think that's what's probably tough for like the the younger generations. If you've got a kid who's really into Bond, who's in the Craig films, what have they got now? Yes, they can mm. go back and watch the old ones. I'm sure they are, but I got to have games. I got to grow up with that, and I think that's a massive thing that Amazon should look into doing as well. Can I ask you about that? So the games, such as Everything or Nothing, they were MGM. They were EA, weren't they? I think they were EA. Certainly with me. So I was born in '96, and I was quite lucky that a lot of 
you know, growing up, we didn't have many consoles, but I just think the mechanics of making games was easier back then. That might be very disrespectful to someone that's probably like a game developer, but you seem to be able to churn them out quite quickly. And if you go back and ever play older games now, it's not that it's easy, but it's very different to what modern gaming is. Whereas now, you know, they're creating these deep layered stories that can go on for 40, 50 hours. And I'm excited for the Bond one when that when that does come yeah, so out. Yeah, do, so do, could Amazon have a say? So there's such a thing as Amazon Games that, Chris, you just kind of sent a link to. Could it be that that links at all? Is that a potential avenue? I, I don't know, but if, if you're Amazon, you know, you've got 50%. You say, hey, can we do something? like is there a, Because you don't need to have, you know, just one game, you know. You could have a very, you could have so many different teams working on so many different games and... It's just something where I mean I'm not I don't do like mobile or gaming but stuff like that's quite big and you'd think they'd try and fill out the gaps even if it's not a decent game even if it's like a you know not that we want terrible stuff but you know you'll see these weird adverts when they've just like chucked the logo one of a, a franchise yeah yeah and it's like top trumps or something even so for that online that's going to get some people playing it isn't it and yeah I just I just think there's a lot of room to grow I think the priority for them is is going to be getting the landing right first they need to yeah. i mean kind of not sort of i mean kind of asking you guys a question one thing i've discussed a lot with people i think we're going to get a director announced before we get an actor for bond which mm. i think i mean for me that's you know listen i i'm i'm, I'm excited to see who they cast as bond i trust them making the casting call but to me the director's gonna be as important right it's a new iteration of bond you've got new yeah. producers new actor the person that's helming has got to be able to... They're going to have the to want, want to say, aren't they, in, in that as well, I think. Yeah. But it's how it works with, you know, Bond finds itself being a little bit unique. And although I agree with that, it's what will make the most big impact, I suppose, in terms of putting Bond back on the map. A director would be exciting for those of us who are kind of film fans as well, whereas just announcing the actor and giving the whole worldwide general public a vision of what James will look like would be a bigger announcement, maybe they'd want to lead with that. I don't know, yeah. And, you know, you've mentioned Christopher Nolan, we mentioned on the last last one, that, you know, the likelihood of him being involved. It seems like he would be someone who would want to be very much involved with the casting. And there are other directors whose names have kind of been thrown around there who I'd also think they want to be involved in the casting process. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see which does come first. If I could just go to you, Tom, because you've been sitting there so patiently. Um, <laughs> and I, your, your opinion... Is a little bit, I reckon, a little bit mysterious, more mysterious, based on, and, and maybe I'm generalising, but I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think you're quite as into streaming services as a lot of other people. As in, do, what like in terms of subscriptions that you have you, and where you get your films from, you're very much kind of you buy, you still buy DVDs, hard copies. You have, you know, like television, and you kind of track what's on. Tel- the world of streaming and how that marries with Bond, how how does that sit with you, Tom? Yeah, I think I am evolving. I'm always slower to these things than everybody else. It's partly because I think there's so many things I would like to watch. The more streaming services there are, the more choice there is, the more stuff I can't watch or won't watch. Yeah. So I've, I've, I've deliberately waited and waited until Disney, and now I've got it. I'm like, right, that's it. I'm only really watching stuff on Disney now because it's like, a privileged position. That's amazing. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah I, I, I do think the world has changed since then, how we watch things. But Bond is a very traditional character. I think everyone, including Amazon and Eon, Barbara and Michael and whoever else, will still see it as a cinema franchise. It's a pretty bold move for Star Wars to go away from films. It, you know, it really was. Mm. And, 
yes, it sounds like I know George has just been to the Star Wars celebration and the announcements of new films, but that that would have been in normal days gone by, in normal celebrations, that would be the only news that anyone cared about. The fact that people might even be more interested in, well, what's the next sort of offshoot series? Which character are we going to focus on in the next series of The Mandalorian? Things like that. Just shows how far that's come. And I, I do think, you know, the scope for a, another series on, a bit like we did comparing Batman with uh, Bond, comparing Star Wars with Bond's fascinating because we've had, as we mentioned, the 2012 Lucasfilm purchase. That was so big and so different because... Mm they just basically got rid of Lucas, didn't they? I know that was his decision. It was part of the deal. But they really, I mean, they only paid him lip service in terms of executive, not even executive producer, just created by, that was it. Whereas here, you've still got Barbara and Michael involved with 50%. So in some ways, it could be the best of both worlds. But at the moment, it feels a bit like the tail wagging the dog. None of them's really doing an awful lot. I think George said, he's absolutely right, that what needs to happen is they're clearly wanting Barbara and Michael to take the lead on the next batch of Bond. But, you know, they want them to sort of lead the way in, t- in terms of the creative. Where will this guy go? And then they'll get involved in terms of marketing, suggestions, putting the weight behind it, add-ins. If the purchase was done, say, I don't know, in 2017, 2018, Amazon might have said, right, we'll craze our Bond. Let's do a video game of Bond. Let's let's do loads of tie-ins. Let's do some merchandise. Let's really go all out for Daniel Craig as the image of Bond. But now they're in a difficult position to do that because if I'm a marketing man, I'm thinking, right, like you just said, Harry, it just the announcement of who the next Bond is will be bigger than any other Bond ever. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That will be bigger than when Daniel Craig was announced. All the other bonds have sort of, you know, yes, George Lazenby should have been the biggest one ever, but it was all a bit, well, we don't know about that. And then we had Sean back. Roger was almost a coronation because it was, yes, he's going to be Bond anyway. Then Tim was, well, we wanted Pierce, but we've got Tim. Then that meant, oh, we've got, you know, we'll get Pierce in the end. So that was, these are all great choices, but they mm. weren't sort of like a, wow, this is an amazing choice from left field that everyone's on board with because Daniel, of course, was a left field choice from for many people. And loads of people are up against it. I do think that will help them because I think they can go around now and name any random person that the mainstream might not have heard of. And they can go, well, we were right about Daniel, weren't we? we? We showed you right with that. And I think lots of Bond fans will get behind whoever now because they'll think we've got to give them credit. They've always got the casting right. Mm. And, and yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how well, I'm, I don't think Amazon will have any involvement in that. With involvement with that, weirdly, 
and they haven't they haven't really done much, have they so far? I, I have they spent any money on any of this on anything because the the sound of music that's just one concert. Isn't it? <laughs> the sound <laughs> of the one seven, yeah. yeah. In yeah. fact, we've had the bonds in the cinema, but there was no advertisement for that. No, it it very much seems like they're just waiting for Eon to take the lead. But I'm hoping then that you'll get the best of both worlds, and we'll see a whole new, you know, a reinvigoration, a love for the franchise again from the people who are meant to be pushing this on our behalf. I think that's very sound kind of logic. I think. You're right, with Barbara and Michael there and what they've done in the past at every step of the franchise in terms of the casting, they have the right and the power to be the ones who decide the direction of where we go from here. And maybe it's only then that Amazon put their full full weight behind it. You know, you've said they've not done very much so far, so there's there's kind of very little to go on. Math, if it, if it is going to be perhaps in the hands of Barbara and Michael to kind of create that that vision... Um, George used a phrase before about kind of getting someone young in the game in terms of Amazon. I think or new in the game, sorry, someone new in the game. Are Barbara and Michael, are those two alone the right for, to, to make up 50%? Where where they're at themselves, the two of them, do you think they're well positioned to maybe do what Tom said and set out the vision? Will Do you think their vision is something that would match with Amazon's expectations. It's hard to say. I mean, I and we have been quite quite critical, very critical of Barbara and, and Michael G. Wilson in recent years about their sort of lack of forward planning, huge gaps between films and, and everything. You know, particularly, I know that No Time to Die wrapped in 2019, but it was only going to be released in 2020, which was five years after Spectre, which is quite a long time, really, considering there wasn't, any real reason, you know, noticeable huge reason like the COVID pandemic then happened is what I mean. So, you know, there, there wasn't a, a, a real huge reason for that to happen. And I, I, I think creatively, I think they've been found a little bit wanting recently, in, in my yeah. opinion. I do think this will be really interesting because, yes, whilst Amazon might be willing to say, yeah, you take the lead, I do think there might be some things where they'll they might find themselves wanting to just give a prod or give, hey, hang on, these guys are doing this with that franchise and I know it's a bit different, but maybe we need to be, rather than one film, right, done, right, let's wait, right, let's have a rest and think about what's next. No, we want want more. And therefore, I wonder if they might, I don't know whether there, there might be someone, a more person as a almost like a showrunner that they they want involved as well perhaps i don't know i mean i don't particularly know how these things work but you know i did wonder when we i think i mentioned it when we, when we were talking about christopher nolan in the last uh in the last episode if perhaps he came in to helm this next one and then almost acted as a producer additional producer or executive producer behind the scenes going forward um, because I know I'm, I'm sure he he remained an executive producer. He, he made he was a producer, I think, for Man of Steel, having developed the sort of story with David S. Goyer, I think. And then George can probably correct me if I'm wrong. But and then and then I think he remained an executive producer for Batman v Superman and possibly I don't know about Justice League, but anyway. But I mean, so he's sort of used to that kind of role as well. So I just wondered whether that might maybe maybe that might not work as much because I can't again I can't I can't see him. Yeah. Amazon Studios saying to Christopher Nolan, "Can you do this?" But if if it's if it's put to him as you know, your we see you as the person to sort of 
springboard Bond into the next direction and then to sort of gate, be the custodian, be another custodian for it going forward, then that might be something. But I do have some concerns about it if it were just left to Barbara and Michael yeah, G. I- Wilson. And I think Amazon would. I think also Greg Wilson, Michael's son, has been more and more involved and I think he might be, but he's just a continuation of them. So, you know, I, I think they might want someone quite proactively involved. That that That's kind of my concern in terms of I do feel like Barbara and Michael's creative juices are kind of drying up a little bit and we're going out, we're getting a bit repetitive with themes and stories and things like that. But also I suppose a lot of that is in the hands of Purvis and Wade who come up again as, as the writers. We've talked about announcing the director or the actor next, but the writers will have such a huge sway in this. And I think, in truth, I think it's Purvis and Wade who are out of creative ideas. I think mm. they've even started to recycle a lot of their own stuff. And I think, really, the writers, you know, that will have a huge say. And one of the writers, John Logan, who obviously helped his Skyfall, he co-wrote with them. He He's one of the uh, few kind of people linked to Bond who's commented on this deal. So this isn't Purvis and Wade, this is John Logan. And he's kind of been quite sceptical, quite uh, worried about the deal. And these are some of his quotes as a writer, this is. He said, you know, what happens if a bruising corporation like Amazon begins to demand a voice in the process? What happens to the comradeship and quality control if there's an Amazonian overlord with analytics passing every decision? What happens when a focus group reports they don't like Bond drinking martinis? Amazon Prime Video is not chiefly about artists, so I reckon there he means Amazon Studios. Amazon Studios, yeah, it's not primarily about artists. It's about attracting and retaining customers. And when bigger companies start having a say in iconic characters or franchises, the companies tend to want more, not better. And the quality differential can vary wildly, project to project. So I I do worry about the creativity aspect when there is someone as big as Amazon involved. And if we're thinking about the creativity, I think what the writers think and what the writers can give is a, is a huge say. Um, I don't know if anyone wants to come in here and kind of chat about the, how, you know, how it, where the writers come in. I think, you know, we've talked about who'd be cast as Bond. We've talked about directors, um, Purvis and Wade, who I think a few on this in this room now would agree that I don't know how much left they've got to give to the Bond franchise. Where, where is the creativity going to come from? Does anyone have kind of something they'd want to mention or share. Yeah, I, I kind of, going off what you said about that interview, the, the big thing with everything he mentioned about the Amazon overlords is why it's so important that Barbara and Michael have got it still that they've got creative control. If Amazon do try it ultimately, they can say, well, no, we've got the power. This this is it on paper. We we have it. It's ours. So I think for me, that's more comforting. Um, mm. Certainly, again, in the early days of it, I think the thing for me and, you know, Purvisway, you know, they've, they've done so many iterations of Bond. You know, they've worked on two different Bond actors. They've been around for a very long time. Even John, John English, they did. I don't think the first one. For me, at least, I'd want to write a director. I'd, I'd want, I want a director that's going to come on board with a clear vision that knows how to write a story that can write sequences. Uh, and I, I think that would solve two massive issues if that director can work well with the creatives. Then he knows what to put in the story. It keeps. Rather than being a big group of, of associates coming together, it just keeps it between key creatives. And I think that's something where the, you go back to the early days, right? You look at Barbara Broccoli, you know, I saw a news report whilst promoting Tomorrow Never Dies, boom, there's the story for the world is not enough. That sort of thing, that's just by chance, of course, that she happened to watch that, you know, when she was flying to promote it. But 
it seems like the last few films became we've got we've got this alter director on board. We're going to have him tell his story, which I think in turn not creates delays, but the gaps between film get longer because it is not just a film by film. It is this is the filmmaker choosing his next story yeah. within this, and it it just naturally slows it down a little bit. You know, of course, the Danny Boyle stuff, uh, and I'm I'm I seem to be in a marriage. I'm really happy he didn't do a Bond film. I thought it'd be a terrible choice if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> And, you know, I, I can't say I'm a big fan of Fukunaga anymore, obviously, what's gone on behind the scenes. But in terms of, you know, his ability as a filmmaker, I thought he was outstanding with True Detective and, and the other stuff he'd worked on. And they spoke to him, what did they say, like 2015? Like, he spoke to them way back when, like, yeah, this is what I do for a new Bond. And he's he a writer, on... though, as well, isn't he? And interesting that he's exactly. the first director who's had the part of the script. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I just think, again, if they're building a new era, and it's what you said earlier, Matthew, with the Nolan stuff with DC is a really good point because... You know, not to get into a talk on DC studios, but um, you know, if anyone said how bad things have gone for about ten years, he was he did the story for Man of Steel. You know, he David Escoy did the Dino trilogy with him, mm, and it was yeah. the moment they said, "Oh, we're going to do Batman." It'd been two years since he was he was basically out. Like he was his executive producer, but by EPs normally by title mm. than, than than any creative. Yeah. And, and to be fair to him, I believe he's got a really good personal friendship with Zack Snyder, and I, I think Nolan said when that Justice League stuff all kicked off. No, it's like, don't watch what they've released. It's not your film. And it is interesting. And and there are filmmakers and sort of not intending to bring it back to Star Wars, but, you know, we've got Dave Filoni. If, if people aren't familiar with him, I know a lot of bumpers might not be. He was George Lucas's protege. They did an animated series together. And to, fully to Disney's credit, he got another animated shirt at them. And they've slowly pulled him through the ranks, made him jump into live action, done The Mandalorian, probably one of the biggest shows in the world. Uh, as it airs every week, no one can escape Baby Yoda merchandise anywhere. He's been involved there, and now he's going to direct a Star Wars film, which is sort of, you know, the the, the way it, it was always going to go with Destiny being the next George Lucas on paper. So I'd be really curious to see if if they could try something, like if there is, because as, you, as you've rightly said, you know, Greg Wilson comes on board, he he did a lot of the events for the anniversary last year. He was he was in attendance at a lot of them. He does the PR with a lot of Does James Bond need a producer with film industry experience as well as E.ON? Yes, but I think when it's only Eon people, you need to then balance it out and bring in someone that's worked on the studios, at big on big on big franchises, series, films, whatever it needs to be. You need to balance the people that have worked on one of those that haven't, but they've worked in the industry and they know the industry rather than this is the not the family I've been brought up in. That's really unfair because you know the Broccoli's have done other stuff, but it's certainly with with Greg Wilson, you know. It's mainly credits is is Bond Games assistant producer on a couple of you know a film or two and great to have I think you know again have have the bloodline there have the right people at Eon but you've got to balance that with the actual production side of things and certainly I trust Eon at, at, at getting someone in to do that more so than Amazon not to discredit Amazon but again they they still feel so new as a studio like it took Netflix I think Netflix's first film was like 2012 2013. And it probably took them four or five years to sort of grow. And, and now, you know, they release so many terrible films week to week. That's what I fear with studio systems. And luckily, Amazon's a bit more like Apple where I wouldn't say it's quality over quantity. It's definitely not quantity over quality, which is what Netflix has sort of fell into the trap of. And I think Amazon have got a real big, you know, as a, behind the scenes, them restructuring MGM was the first step and they've done that. So I'm very curious at what their strategy now is. And I know some Denny Villeneuve rumors popped up again today. I don't. It's a very easy rumor because there was obviously a lot of legitimacy to it pre No Time to Die. Dune Part Two is out later this year, so it's easy to get that rumor going again. But 
I'm very curious to see who they do go for. And if it's like Danny, then you know that he'll bring in his team. He can do story. He's adapt. He's done adaptations, which is insane. He did a sequel to Blade Runner, which should never have been made, and is one of the best sequels ever made. He's somehow made Dune into a film. And if that's a guy yeah. they want to do give Bond to, then give it to him because you know he's going to deliver. And similar-ish, he's doing some background stuff that I think they're doing a Dune TV series about one of the the, the things within the universe. And he's sort of in the background. It's his Dune world. He's not doing the show, but he's got creatively some input, which is kind of what you're going to fairly. That'd be great to have someone like that to stick around with Bond a little bit longer in the background. You know, with the, with the discussions that we're talking about, Particularly with the way my kind of questions have gone, I've been talking about like the creativity, and we've talked about just uh, directors and actors and that. I'm going to come to you, Chris, on this. I don't. Is there a play? As, as much as we love film and directors and that, you've got a young lad, a young son. Do you think forget creativity for the moment, and you know, classic critic-proof films? Do you think this partnership with Amazon has the potential to deliver something for? the younger generation that has been missing for quite quite a while now is for young fans like your son for him growing up with James Bond on Amazon is surely kind of a, a quite a positive place um for the growth and future of James Bond was that would you say that's right yeah i think i think and how much of a priority is that to you i think the the obviously you know whatever whatever happens you know there's 20 odd films that we all love and you know that he can return to i think that i think the issue is like we're saying that some of the choices that have been made in the past few years you know bond when it started out the novels the first few films were never that weren't intended for kids it's just that over the years it has changed because it's become it's obviously wanted a larger market share so therefore you you start kind of you know you, you make tweaks to it and that's what's been they've been really good at you know, over the years, particularly obviously when Roger Moore starts to come in, you start getting more kind of family friendly, not necessarily a children's film, but it's much more kind of uh, a more sort of uh, sort of mass appeal. And I think obviously in the past few years with Daniel Craig, you know that 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 conscious choice to make something sort of grittier, you you are you you are sort of almost like pricing out a market, aren't yeah. you? Because it's just like, well, you know. Five-year-old, you know, no, maybe not five-year-olds, you know, like, you know, like uh, eight, nine-year-olds aren't going to be able to go and see it at the cinema. You know, some of this content in there is far too, you know, uh, you know, grown up for them to sort of consume. So you, you're already kind of excluding that. So I think that when when you're making choices uh, about what's happening with the franchise, I think there has to be a conscious choices. Are we going to continue down the road of James Bond series is a, you know, a, 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 a you know, a series for adults is it serious is it you know it, it, how what is the tonal kind of choices we're going to make and if we are having discussions with uh you know with some of the directors that have been banded around that feels like it's going to be a continuation that prior to you know prior to uh sam mendes it was very much director for hire you know you know you kind of who, who who can we get who will say the right right things and you know not do too much pushback and you know they come in shoot it and then they're off, which is why they've never been able prior to that, never be able to get any kind of big names to sign on because everyone, you know, the big names directors want final cut, and that just wasn't on the cards. So you get a certain level of filmmaker who then 
gets it involved. Um, so yeah, I I would love for the, the for them to sort of you know I know everyone talks about kind of you know a fresh start and kind of you know you know course correcting you know it's got so serious it's got a lot of people you know the difficult what there's one I would say well you 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 could actually if you make this sort of aim it more for sort of family friendly or just sort of make you know tonally kind of shift it so it's a less kind of darker and, and gritty then you're opening up to a larger audience. But then you look at the figures and look at what the box office has been for the past, you know, five films, and it is growth upon growth. You know, obviously one or two did better than both, but the st- every one was a hit and did really well, particularly the last one considering the circumstances that it was released. So I think that, that that's the problem, isn't it? It's like, actually, the safest thing for them to do is actually just get Sam Mendes back and continue doing something along those lines <laughs> because it's proven. Right now, the risky point is... Uh, sort of the risky sort of uh, choice is to go for a sort of Pierce Brosnan and make it maybe a little bit more lighthearted and make it a bit more kind of family orientated because that's the risk because what's gone before has worked really well you know I would love I'd love for them to sort of I think I think the longevity of the of the series is down to them reflecting changes in culture and the time and also the audience I think that's that's what the Brockies have been really smart about, um, and and I think that maybe you know the Daniel Craig series does feel like an it is it is a conscious arc. It is mm. him getting double his double oh seven, you know his double oh uh, number, and then up to literally killing him off. So I think that's self contained. So if if there was ever the chance for the series to restart clean sleep, it is now. The choice is it is the casting. Who you cast is going to dictate what that series is going to look like in the same way the director, you know, because Villeneuve's, you know, casting choices might be very different to, to Nolan and, you know, whoever you've got, or it's just down to, 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 to Brock and Wilson. But yeah, as long as they're making films, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm behind this. I think, I think the, and this is the, this is the thing that's constantly feeling is, is the sense of frustration of, it's been quite a while since you know they started filming No Time to Die. It's been quite a while since it was it, it was actually released. It'd be just nice to hear kind of what they're up to. Yeah, and you know I'm coming to think of it, you know, made comparisons with Disney and the way they are doing things. There's nothing especially family orientated about their output in terms of the Mandalorian, which is absolutely huge. It's not especially for children, no. and yet. It's available in Disney stores. There's loads mm-hmm. of figures. There's cuddly toys of Grogu, you know, and, and things yeah, like that. It's it's and it's it really smart. It's, it, it's yeah. say it's it's kind of it, it is that mass market appeal where you, you you're just able to make it adult enough that people don't that, that adults or teenagers don't dismiss it as a kids TV series yeah. or a kids TV program. But then you still capture that at the same time, and that is also in the marketing and you know all exactly. the you exactly. know merchandise and i think that's also the problem that we've had with the daniel craig series like you said before you know, hardly any games you know the, the, there was action figures of pierce brosnan there was you know there was a lot of stuff going on that kind of attracted younger people to the franchise but with daniel craig's there hasn't been anything there has been nothing to that that you can sort of hook you know an, another audience on i think that's that that's that i think that's been a shame yeah, I think, you know, there is, like, the children and the younger audiences, they don't necessarily have to see and know the film inside out and mm. love it to invest in the merchandise. Mm-hmm. And and it's kind of having those both work together. And we will have an episode uh, on the marketing of how of how they market this uh, next film. But I'll, I'll kind of 
bring it to a close and wrap it up now. But, uh, you know, it's been great to have you on, George. And, you know, the, the insight you've given us has been absolutely fantastic to think about this. And it's, you know, it's it's a, a really unique situation we find ourselves in. And, you know, this will probably get mentioned in most episodes. I think, like Tom said, you know, if it had this happened in the middle of Craig's era, totally different story. To- you know, it would have changed a lot of things and it would have, the at what where they project on on where they want to go with it would have been totally different to where things are now because it is that clean slate that we're talking about they have the chance to launch something that is as new as it is old you know there's there's going to be stuff that i'm sure celebrates the like the legacy of james bond whilst also pushing it forward and that's just why there are so many unknowns so many things to get excited about i think it's another thing for us to be positive about um despite despite not knowing exactly how it will look it's the not knowing it's the potential that we like discussing on these episodes but like i say you know it's it's been great for us to talk about it as a team really privileged to have you george join us for it and i do wonder sorry before we close george if you know if you want to tell us a bit about cinema savvy at the moment and like anything that's coming up that our listeners can enjoy of yours because you know you're, you're pouring out content just as much and you know, we'd love to support you and the listeners are uh, equally as keen too. No, thank you for that. It's It's been a bit of a weird stance. We've just come out of Star Wars Celebration, which we've been building up to. The Mandalorian mm. has just finished, which we've been covering. We've had sort of Pedro Pascal shows all year round, to be fair, so his fans are satisfied. Yeah. But we're on a quiet spell. There's going to be a serious sighting at the end of May, uh, and there might be a few things in between now and then, but and just having a bit of a, a quiet, chilled break. So there'll be a couple of new releases, and then I think second half of the year it's going to ramp up again. Uh, I know we'll be doing a Danny Villeneuve series to build up to Dune Part 2. Plans are in place for a couple of other shows. So it's, um, yeah, if you're into film, you know, listen, we love doing Bond stuff, and when there is big Bond news we'll cover it as we've done we had a lot of you guys on for the retrospective a couple of years ago which was great we're very lucky bringing you on for other stuff we've got a lot of videos for anniversary so we do try and cover a lot of film and TV um, it's just we've, we've done a big hurdle for this year already so we're just on the download for a few weeks and it will be I think Mission Impossible the end of May I think that's the next mm-hmm. series we're going to start so you know that's making its return to the cinema after a couple of years out as well and uh, you know we all know what Tom Cruise is up to whether you've seen behind the scenes clips or not, he will do anything to get that footage out for us all. So <laughs> yes, that's going to be a lot of fun. Super. But listen, th- thank you for having me back on as well. It's been a pleasure talking this and it is that fun and known. But one thing I'll say though, anyone at home, keep your eyes peeled on Indiana Jones for the next two months because nothing for years. The last thing I'll, I'll make whilst outroing is suddenly marketing's ramped up. Suddenly there's merchandise. Suddenly there's figures, there's Legos, there's toys, mm. there's everything, there's collectibles. And that film's coming out, and it does make me think. You know, if, if Amazon are planning, if, if Bond's quiet now, it's going to be as quiet as for a couple of years. I don't mind it being quiet if it, when it is coming out, it's suddenly everywhere, which is what I would love for it to be, and it's the best way for it to be. I like that. That's that's true. I, you know, we're recording these episodes kind of almost to tease ourselves, really, to make it think that stuff's going on. It is a time of, of very unknowns, a lot of unknowns at the moment, but I, I do get a sense with Amazon on board when it comes and because of where we're up to in the franchise, it is indeed going to be a really big launch. It is going to be big. And as Tom mentioned in what he said, you know, from just the casting, that is going to be the biggest it's ever been. If Amazon can work really, really, really well um, with Eon, then, you know, we will, we surely will see an absolutely enormous moment in the franchise that's coming. 
It's just the the patient waiting and the uh, speculating until then. Um, so thank you, George, and thank you, uh, everyone, for uh, joining tonight and to chat about it. After this, we're probably going to look at some of the non-negotiables, I think, of the things that we would like to stay in bond. We've talk- we're talking about all the things that might change, uh, how the climate of the production and everything is changing, but we'll be talking about some of the things that we think they need to stay. Whoever's in control, whoever has the final say signing off, whatever happens, we're going to chat about the things that we think are non-negotiable and should be in Bond 26. And then after that, we will go on to talk about the marketing, which I mentioned, um, which will be a huge, huge part of this. But for now, and with so much ahead of us, we're going to pause there. So Ra for now, and uh, thank you for listening once more. Really Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.